It's green for go. They're racing. He says go. He says Tara. And Tiger Tara rolls away from them on the home turn. Here comes another big boil over. Equine athleticism at its best. The king is in the castle once more. This is in one race. The rest are almost in another post. She is a star with a capital S. It's going to be a triple treat. A miracle three-peat. Ladies and gentlemen, you have witnessed history here at Menangle. What about that? It's getting right up on the sprint lane and it's going to bolt in. Hello and welcome to another Sunday session, the final one of the year. My name is Greg Hayes and this is a chance to get updated with what is making news in harness racing in the state of New South Wales. If this is your first time listening, we normally concentrate on the Menangle Saturday night meeting, but with the two-week break at Menangle, it's given me a chance to look at some of the other feature meetings across the state. Next Saturday, we will be back to the normal setup, but more on that later. Of course, this podcast appears on the Sprint Late podcast, and a big thank you to everyone that has tuned in this year. We kicked it off around the time of the Eureka, as I was given the opportunity to dip my toe back into the water in the harness racing media, and I've really enjoyed being back talking to the trainers and drivers and celebrating the victories, especially the first-time successes. Looking forward to bringing you the podcast again in 2024, so make sure you stay tuned again next week. What's on the podcast this week? Well, first up, we're going to catch up with a young driver by the name of Harry Ross. Harry has been around the horses for a few years now. He's spent some time working in Tasmania as well with Ben Yole, but he is really starting to kick some goals, and he had the biggest night in the sulky in his career when he drove four winners at the Bathurst program on Boxing Night. Nice young bloke who I haven't had the chance to speak with before, so I'm looking forward to catching up with him to talk about the four winners and also his career and where he wants to go. Thought it would be timely to catch up with Blake Jones as well. Um, Blake has a great record in the Breeders' Plate at Leeton. He won the race for the third time in 10 years on Tuesday night when he drove Mr Bondi to victory. The horse is raced by Mick Boots, who has been having a great run with all of the different horses he has across the state. Blake's going to join me to have a chat about the win, the plans for the horse, and it might be a good time to have a chat to Blake about the setup he and his wife Ellen have at Narandra. I know they're very close to the Gallops track down there, but I'll take the opportunity to speak with him about that and what they have on the property. With no Menangle racing this weekend, there's no Menangle Express where I look at every race and say what I see. Now, last week I looked at the heats of the inner city pace, and this week... I thought what I'd do is have a look at a couple of the feature races around New South Wales and see if we can find a few horses to follow. So I'm going to review the Shirley Turnbull Memorial. I'll have a look at last night's Inner City Pace. That was won by hands-on. I spoke to Robbie Morris on the show last week after the heats and the three heat winners. They looked the main three. They ended up running one, two, three in the final. But more on that later. Plus, I'll have a quick look at the Breeders' Plate as well. Um, I'll have a look at round five of fantasy harness racing. I made the decision to trade Will Rickson out this week with Will not doing a lot of driving, but with Cam Hart having a quiet week, he may have been the one to trade out. He dropped $200,000 in value for round six. Now, important to note, the meetings at Parks and Albury today or tonight, New Year's Eve, are not included, and fantasy will start again tomorrow on New Year's Day. My good mate, Mr T, will be back as we continue our tipping challenge. No success for Mr T last week, but the good news was that I managed to find a winner at Dubbo last week, so something small back for the followers, and we will both find another couple of tips for the week of racing in front of us. So a lot to get through this week. Hope you enjoy the show. (laughs) 
Yumcha produces four wide and take out will go back to the inside as they flatten 175 to go the leader still Shannon's ideal Yumcha Gabby Sportstar now take out gets out it's Yumcha and Gabby Sportstar flattening though and a Yumcha right down the outside Harrison Ross with four what a night to remember beats take out and Gabby Sportstar it was a pretty special night for young Harry Ross on Boxing Night at Bathurst when he picked up four winners on the program and he's joining me to have a chat about the night. Hello, Harry, how are you? Yeah, thanks for that, Hazy. How are you, mate? Mate, really well. Um, well, does, does a night at the races get any better than it was for you on Boxing Night? Oh, no, nah, you're, nah, you're probably not wrong. It was a yeah, pretty big thrill to be able to get Paul there the other night. Um, let's run through them. The first of them, race one, you drove my crackling Rosie, charged out from a wide gate, burnt through the first quarter in twenty six nine, but she was able to fight on pretty pretty strongly. Yeah, no, Scotty's always had a yeah, pretty high opinion of her and this prep yeah, just went to another level and her gate speed's crazy like she just crosses them for fun every race and I knew if we could get to the peg she'd be yeah, be pretty hard to beat. She tries a little hard out and yeah. What were you thinking? What were you thinking halfway round when you when you knew that you'd used a fair bit of petrol in the early stages? Yeah, I seen we sort of went twenty six nine. I wasn't really sure how much we had left, and I seen Luke's horse that sort of come up beside me, and I wasn't really sure how much I had left in the locker. But to her credit, um, she didn't want to give it away. She kept fighting all the way to the line, and was just able to nose Luke out. Race two, you drove Dance Edition for Neil Day, and once again, pretty similar start to the race. You charged off the wide gate. Yeah, nah, she's the same horse. If she finds the front, she's basically on bed. Look at her form. Like Every time she finds the front, they can't get near her. But she's just probably not the quickest out. But yeah, last last night, she bloody, um, Wednesday night, she hummed the gate. And when she's able to get across it, yeah, the rest is sort of history. You were travelling pretty strongly. You, you were keen to, to get going before the turn? Yeah, no, I sort of was able to get a bit of a breather. And I sort of thought we've got to get, just got to get rolling on here a bit. So didn't invite anything else to come, and yeah, she had a bit of petrol left in the locker. So after two races, two wins, then you go out in race three on Baxter Red, another one for Neil Day, and this one had barrier one, and you're able to, it's one one of the big attributes you've got, you can get them off the gate, because Baxter Red, there was no way it was going to get crossed at the start. Yeah, no, it's a big help if you can find the front in most of these races, and same with this horse, he, he's got a pretty good gate speed, and I thought if we could use that to our advantage, he'd take a lot of beating as well. You had um, you had driven him previously in a race. I think um, Neil put you on down at Wagga, didn't he? Yeah, that was, must have been two starts ago. He went massive that week. Actually, Dance Edition beat him in that race. They went 152.9, I think, and I was outside him. And we were pretty stoked with his run then. And um, Neil's just got him airborne at the moment. Yeah, so the other night when uh, when you were out in front and travelling, you, did you have any concerns at all during the race? Oh, the only concern was, it was probably a big jump up in grade for him over the long distance. Um, but we sort of able to get away cheap enough quarters. And, yeah, he's, he loves the harder he goes. He's one of them also the harder he goes, probably the better he goes. Yeah. No, well, that was an impressive victory as well. And then you saved your best drive until race eight on Yumchar. Barrier five, again, out hard, couldn't get the lead, but we're, you're able to squeeze in behind the leader. Yeah, no, I Neil, Neil likes to launch all these and, for the same instructions and when we couldn't get across I wasn't really sure and then I was able to get onto Amanda's back and then she handed up and we sort of ended up free fence and we're looking a bit of a tricky spot there but we're able to I think must have been Luke's horse was sort of dropping out we're able to 
angle off and get into the clear. Sometimes when you, you see a young driver and, and that gap opens, like obviously the, the horse in the 1-1 tied and you're able to push out, some young drivers want to panic there and really ask their horse to lift. But you didn't do that. You, you, you let the horse balance up and then made the decision to come wide. Yeah, no, probably I've sort of been there a few times now. And I, like you said, I've probably done that mistake before, but sort of able just to let him angle up and then make the move on him. What were you thinking on the home turn? Did you think you were going to have the momentum to get them? I wasn't really sure. I knew Amanda thought they'd have a lot left in the locker, but sort of the momentum sort of helped my horse there and sort of at the 50 mark, yeah. I knew we had it, had it won. So four winners on a program, that, that would have to be a career best. I know you got a few winners at a Goulburn meeting at the start of the uh, fantasy harness racing season because you kicked off the season really well there, but four winners, that must have been a pretty special night for you. Yeah, no, it was a pretty big thrill. Like I was saying to a few people earlier, I was sort of going in expecting one or two, but yeah, there was no way I would have picked I would have been walking away for. Mate, tell us a little bit about your career. I've gone back and had a look. In 2021, you had 65 drives and you only won the one race. 73 drives in 2022, you won five. But this year, 2023 has been huge. 219 drives and you've won 29 races. So tell us a little bit about how you got involved in harness racing. Yeah, um, I started, my, my family have been involved in gallopers sort of all their life and just going out on the weekends with them to see the horses and the races and um, I was able to meet Sam Hewitt out there who was working out there at the time and he sort of just put it to me up if I'd want to come out and give them a hand at the trots one day and sort of went out there and I just on weekends I was giving the Hewitt boys a hand and sort of started from there. So you say that your family had gallopers. Did Were you hands-on with them or did you just go out to the stables to have a look and, and a muck around? Like what was, did, what was your interest level in horses when you were growing up? Yeah, I would. I started just going out with them to the races and I, started actually with Scott Collins there for about six months with those horses with him and yeah he was teaching me the basics about them all. How tall are you? Are you too tall to be a jockey? Oh uh, probably not I'd say about 175 centimetres but yeah didn't really want to sit up sit up on them. Yeah so you, you so you basically once you met uh, once you met Sam it was yeah I'm going to go and have a look at these these har- uh, harness horses. Yeah no nah, that was sort of it. My family probably weren't too happy about it. They probably wouldn't be in the gallop. Yeah. <laughs> and then you ended up in Tasmania for some time. Yeah, no, like, Ben, the old, sort of got in contact for him and he sort of gave me an opportunity to start my career over there. And at the time, it sounded like a good idea. Just learn a bit more and just a lot of horses over there just to drive and just get more of an experience. How did you find being away from home? No, I was all right for the first few months, but sort of towards the end, yeah, I got pretty homesick. And so then what made the decision to, to come back to Goulburn? Yeah, it was probably about Christmas time and I sort of thought I'd learn a lot over here probably in six months. And I was due to talk to Brad there a bit before and I, I knew there would always be a job back there, so I thought it was probably the right time to come back home. And so, yep, made the decision to come back to Goulburn and, and it didn't take you long to really um, stamp yourself back here in New South Wales. Nah, yeah, you're not wrong. It probably took me a few months to get back in the goal but yeah I've had a few trainers been pretty fortunate and give me a pretty pretty good go. So who are the who are the trainers that have been supportive? Obviously Neil Day's been a big one and, and your work for, for Brad and Dave Hewitt so they would have been pretty helpful along the way as well. Yeah Brad and Dave and Scott Hewitt's always give me a go when he came and Sam and Neil Day and Dean Atkinson's been a pretty good help to me. He sort of gave me my first Saturday night drive and yeah, he's given me a good goal as well. So looking forward, in 12 months' time, obviously the last 12 months has been huge for you. You've really kicked a few goals. But in 12 months' time, you know, what would you like to do? Where would you like to be? 
Um, in 12 months' time, I probably sort of had no goals this time. This sort of year in, I just wanted to drive as many wins as I could. But the next 12 months, I probably say I'd like to drive 50 winners in a season and try and crack that first Saturday night win. Yeah. So, and, and I guess now that, you know, like driving four winners on a on boxing night on a big card like that, you're going to get your name up in front of owners and trainers that will be willing to put you on on a Saturday night. Yeah, no, I've definitely, that's helped a lot. I've had a few people already message me about it and, um, yeah, the, the more the drivers I get, the better. Sure. Uh, who's been your favourite horse that you've been associated with since you've been in the sport? Um, favourite horse? Put me on the spot, yeah. Probably have to say Typo. I've got a pretty soft spot for him. Yeah, and he's he's obviously been a, a really good horse for Brad. Yeah, no, he's been real good. And you mentioned before that you you know your family would have probably liked to see to see you push towards the uh, the Gallopers. The fact that you're having a lot of success in the harness racing have they have they come around? Do they they like the fact that you're driving plenty of winners? Yeah, no, they're they're real big supporter of mine. Mate, that's uh, it's it's really good, mate. Really good story. Um, good to see you get four winners. Um, keep driving plenty, and uh, no doubt we'll speak to you again very soon. No, thanks, that Hazy. Time for the Express. A quick look back to see if I can highlight some horses to follow. As I mentioned off the top, I'll look at a few different races this week. Normally Menangle, but no Menangle. So first up, the Shirley Turnbull Memorial at Bathurst on Boxing Night. Mac Da Vinci was the $3.60 favourite in the race, and it turned out to be a complete horror show for favourite punters with Mac Da Vinci out of the race soon after the start when, wow, he's a rock star, galloped off the front row and went back through the field. Typo somehow managed to miss it. But Mac Da Vinci got checked and galloped out and was retired from the race. Kanina Provlima was driven aggressively at the start. So too was Balraj off the inside. But it was Kanina Provlima who was able to get to the front before handing over to the Jason Grimson trained Sea Art. Firestorm Red had followed through off the second row to be four pegs, which left Star Major in the chair. Smithy's Terror second over and Typo effectively one out and two back. Lead time was 84.7. Typo made the move around to the chair, coming in to get the bell. And at this, at that stage, it looked like Star Warrior, well, sorry, Star Major, was in a bit of trouble as it was struggling to hold the spot on the back of Typo. Down the back straight, Balraj couldn't stay on the helmet of Kanina Provlima. And there wasn't a lot happening from the tail of the field. The quarters were 31-1, 28-9, 28-6. So they were moving to the 400-metre mark. Jack Brown on CR um, again put his foot on the accelerator as they neared the final bend. The horse travelling was Kanina Provlima, but he just started to put in a few rough strides on the apex of the turn and then broke as they straightened up, but it was just for a few strides. Typo was all out. There was nothing running on, which meant in a final quarter of 28-8, Sia Art won quite comfortably. Typo held on for second. Star Major came again in the straight to run third. Big run by that horse, and Kanina Provlima balanced up in the sprint lane to finish fourth. Think he would have been right in the finish had he paced throughout. Um, he might be one to follow. Kanina Provlima has been racing well of late. Balraj wasn't as good as he'd been, but I think now we can see that he needs to be driven ice cold, just come with that one run. That's when he's been doing his best work late of late. And Smithy's Terror had his chance at his second run from New Zealand. He needs to improve to be winning in this grade, but I'm still prepared to give him another couple of chances before completely penning him. The inner city pace dominated by the three heat, uh, the three heat winners. Hands on was the two dollar ten favourite. Rob Morris suggested last week on the podcast. It was the one to beat when the starter said go. Did she do it? it was quick off the gate. Cross Jeff Coat before releasing stable mate. Better to be tricky. 
Morris was aggressive from the back row and pushed onto the front with hands on, and they walked through the lead time in 61.8. Compare that to the heat run where hands-on ran the lead time in 59.6. Into Sky, who ran a good race in the heats, made a move to be first over with two laps to go. Sunshine Pepper second over. Sonic Express was third over. But with the slow lead time, the place to be was on the marker pegs. Morris let hands-on run. First quarter was only 31.4, but then 28.3, 28.4 meant they really moved through the middle half of the final mile. In the sky was under pressure or under urging really at the bell and was starting to feel the pinch as they left the straight. Hands on took off. Better to be tricky was nailed to its back. Did she do it? Was trying to hang on to their coattails. Nothing could make ground off the track, so it effectively became a two horse race from the 400. Hands on never looked in any danger in the straight, running through the final quarter in 28 5. Uh, better to be tricky ran to the winner's wheel. It can win again soon. Did she do it? Held on for third. Not a lot to say of the back markers. Rouge Bling was driven a treat in the heats and was best of the run on horses. Didn't do any work until the final lap, but. I think it might be one to follow moving forward. And finally, the Breeders' Plate. Mr. Bondi was the $1.33 favourite off the front row, and there was a speed battle in the early stages as everyone wanted to be the horse to hand over to the favourite. But in the end, Leneth protected the inside draw and held before releasing the fave. It took Mr. Bondi into the back straight before he got to the front. Leneth obviously on its back. Bruce Hartley got abs- uh, absolutely stoked three pegs from six, which was a good drive. Um, due to the early speed, they went single file early, but it was Dunn Spruken who came first over when they settled down, which gave Centrefelli some cover in the 1-1. Um, Magomedov was 1-2, and Montgomery Burns was on its back. The splits were lead of 8.7, quarters of 29-9, 30.7, 29-5, and 28-8. So they never really backed it off. And in the final lap... Um, Basically, Mr. Bondi rolled away from the field. Back in the field, Centrefelli went back to the peg line. Um, Agomadov got into the clear and started to make ground with Montgomery Burns wider on the track. Up the straight, Mr. Bondi, no doubt. Big salute from Blake Jones to the crowd. Dunspruking was getting very tired and was laying in but managed to hold on to second. The aggressive drive from Cam Mags meant Leneth got third and... Magomedov finished strongly for fourth, cutting back the margin late. Dunsbruken and Magomedov are the ones to follow of the beaten brigade. And now it's time to find out what's happening with the winner, Mr. Bondi, as I catch up with Blake Jones. And around the outside of runners next is Montgomery Burns. They straighten up though. Mr. Bondi's got a handy lead in the feature. Trying hard as Dunspruken. Along the inside is Leneth. Mr. Bondi in front. He's got the Southern Central Engineering Breeders Plate sewn up and gives a nice salute to Blakey Jones. Second, Dunspruken. I think third goes to Leneth. Breeders Plate was very exciting. Big, big win by Mr. Bondi. Blake Jones doing the driving for Ellen and Blake's joining me to have a chat. Congratulations on the win, Blake. Thanks, Greg. It was good. Good night. Yeah, and a very impressive win too, Mr. Bondi. Um, tell us a little bit about the win. You you didn't really have to get involved in the early speed, and then you're just able to to move forward and work to the front. Yeah, yeah. I sort of thought uh, the fella Jack was driving. Uh, Dance Bruton was his main danger, so I just sort of aimed to keep in front of him that first fifty or hundred. And um, yeah, once once I was able to do that, I sort of just waited until the top couple settled, and then. Um, yeah, worked our way forward and were able to get to the front. And yeah, he, he did all, did all on his own steam after that. When you found the top, you thought it was game over. Uh, yeah, I thought he'd be very hard to beat. Um, yeah, you never never know something might catch you. But yeah, once he got to the front, I, I thought they'd have to be pretty good to beat. And um, 
you, nice big salute on the line too. Was that to anyone in particular? Oh, I had a few mates that come down for the for the night, and um, I could see them on the fence with the hand in the air carrying on a bit. So I'll give them a little wave. Mate, tell us a little bit about the horse. Um, he's he's a former Kiwi. He's arrived in the stable and he's only had a couple of starts for you guys, but he, he's done a very good job. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mick Boots brought him from over in New Zealand. He um, he's probably been here about six weeks or so. He um, he sort of took a bit to get going once he got here. He um, he wanted to run, but that was probably his problem. He he, he wanted to keep going. He he was getting pretty keen in track work, and yeah, it sort of took us a few track works to sort him out and finally get him relaxing and um yeah we're able to do that which probably probably was a big bonus because yeah, you don't want him over racing it when you get to the race that's for sure and after the win um what do you think now are you, are you looking at some some bigger races uh yeah we'll probably aim up the new south wales derby if he um if he seems all right the next fortnight or so he, he seems to have pulled up pretty good so far he he claimed that Clean his feed been out the night after, so yeah, that's always a good sign. And he's just had a few days in the paddock since then. But yeah, at the moment we'll aim up in New South Wales Derby if he um, keeps keeps on song. Did you hear from Mick? Was he at the races on uh, on on Tuesday night? Yeah, no, he was at the races. He was there, and he was um, yeah, he's pretty happy after the race. And he, um, yeah, yeah, spoke to him the next morning, and yeah, he was he was over the moon with how he went, and yeah. All, all pretty good, mate. You've you've had a, a pretty good record in the um in the Breeders' Plate. Obviously, the race has changed a lot with the timing and the change of the season and everything. But you won it back in two thousand and thirteen um, with business in motion for Cole Thomas, and then won it again a couple of years ago with Sugar Apple. So it's been a, a good race for you. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's probably one of the races that probably got me into the sport. I remember going to to it for many years with me um grandfather and, and me nan. And yeah, always, always aimed to win it. And yeah, to do it pretty early in my career with business in motion was, was huge. And yeah, to be able to continue to get a couple more wins in it, it's, um, yeah, it's always a race. I, I look at every year to try and, try and get a drive in and try and win if I can. Mate, how did you get involved in harness racing? Uh, my grandfather, Joe Payne, he always had one or two horses. He had, uh, uh old, old horse called Go Lock Law when I was probably about 12 or 13. And, I used to go up and give him a hand in the mornings and, um, yeah, he sort of got me into it and, yeah, never, never looked back. Um, no one else ordering my immediate family or into the horses, like my brothers or sisters or parents, but yeah, just, um, yeah, got, got sucked into it and, yeah, never looked back since I have. Did it surprise your, your, your family when you went towards being involved in harness racing? Um, Probably, probably not really. Since I'd, once, once I sort of got a bit of the bug of it when I was about twelve or so. Um, yeah, that's probably all I ever talked about or all I ever wanted to do. Um, Mum wasn't a real big fan of me leaving school early to go do the horses, but um, yeah, I eventually got me got me way and went and done the horses full time. And um, before you've obviously settled down, and now you and Ellen have got the, the nice size stable. Who are you? Who are you working for down there in the in the Riverina? Uh, yeah, so yeah, obviously when I first started off, just helping Grandpa with his one or two, and then uh, obviously my cousin Jack Painting um, being connected with Dave Kendi being his uncle. I sort of got in with Dave and used to go around with Jack and help him out a bit um, when we were a little bit older, and then from there. Um, yeah, moved to Sydney, got a job with Trevor Monday. That was his sort of first full-time job um, in harness racing. Then from Trevor's, we went went to Bathurst to Steve Turnbull's and 
Nathan Hurst. Spent a bit of time at both the air stables before coming back home to Dave's. And that was always the plan, to, to get back home? You always wanted to, to get home? Um, they didn't really have any um, sort of plans as such, but um, it just sort of worked out the right time. I think Dave was expanding his stable, and um, I think Jack had just about lost his junior claim, so it just sort of worked out at the right time to come back and be able to pick up the junior drives there and um, yeah, get back close to the family. Um, Ellen, having a look at her training record, you can set your clock. She'll she'll train a 50 winners a year, but importantly this year, it's been the biggest prize money year for her as well. She's won in excess of $530,000 in prize money, so um, it's been a good year for the stable. Yeah, it surely has. We, we always try to aim up the bit bigger local races around here. Um, we got pretty lucky this year being able to pick up the tab championship with Brooklyn Bridge and um, yeah, we've had a, had a few other nice horses going around the cup races. Captain Tom winning the Griffith Cup and yeah, now this fella in winning um, the Breeders' Plate. So it's yeah, been a good year. Do you being you know being associated with these horses in the country and then when they perform so well that they move they, they can move on to the city and they move to another trainer is it is it difficult to see you know some nice horses or is it just part of this game you just understand that at some stage it's too hard to travel to the city every week so they've got to go to a city trainer uh, yeah you, you never want to let them go but um, we sort of know where where we're based we've got to do the best thing by the horse and let them go and um, yeah we enjoy seeing them go we um when Narano made the Inner Dominion final after having him, we, well, Ellen was pretty keen to book tickets and she got us a flight up there and we flew up and back um, the day off and come on Sunday and went up to watch him race. Yeah, it's good to follow and yeah, we, we, we enjoy seeing him doing well after leaving our place. Mate, um, one horse um, from the Breeders' Plate the other night, Montgomery Burns, stable mate. Um, stable must have some opinion of the horse. Went to the Tatlow Stakes in Sydney and ran sixth there, so nice horse. Yeah, he, he he probably he's got the other fella covered at home really, but um, just probably hasn't put it all together on the racetrack yet. He he probably the smaller track around Leeton doesn't suit him as much either. He he probably lots of thousand meter tracks, but um yeah, hopefully he's going for a spell now and um, he can strengthen up a little bit. And if he does, he should come back a nice horse because he's got a good turn of foot when right. Um, how many horses would Mick Boots have with you guys? Uh, probably about a half a dozen, yeah. Usually probably fluctuates between probably four and six and somewhere around that mark. Usually um, when one leaves, it's usually not long before another replaces it, which is really good for us. And and you've you've had a fair bit to do with Mick over the years? Uh, yeah, always always known him before we started training for him and um, drove a few for him when he had him with other people. But, yeah, since we sort of gone out and um, got our own place, he's he supported us. Um, very strongly and yeah, much appreciated because we ne- we need all that support when we went out by ourselves. What's the what's your stable set up like? Uh, yeah, we're in Narendra. We back onto the Narendra race course and we've, we've built our own 800 metre track inside the race course. And then we've also got a a mile um, sand track just inside the gallop track that the gallopers work on. But there's only um, one trainer in town that works. On it, so yeah, we we work on it too as well, and do a fair bit of gallop work and a bit of our jog work on it, which which is really good. Yeah, so you've got a few different options there to get them fit. Yeah, definitely. Um, the the more gallop track, they they seem to love it. They plenty of open space, and um, it's got a got a bit of an incline up the four hundred meter straight. So yeah, they they do benefit a lot from working on that, and 
yeah, they definitely enjoy the different different style of work at working on that track. Another good year for you too, just um, around that hundred winners mark, and and again a. a um, prize money, a best best effort yet in your career of just under eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars. So it's, it's been a good year for you as well as the stable. Yeah, it's probably been a bit of a probably tougher with Wagga getting a, a lot more competitive with the Victorians and them coming down. But yeah, it's good to be able to still still be around that same same mark which I've sort of got the last few years. So um, yeah, there's plenty of long days and long hours go into it. So it's always good to get see that the numbers at the end of the year and. Yeah, be proud of what you've got. Well, mate, congratulations with the win in the Breeders' Plate. Good luck with uh, with Mr Bondi going forward and towards the New South Wales Derby. And well done to you and Ellen on the season you guys have had. So, Andy, thanks for that, Andy. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Winning. Hey, that's pretty good. Winner! That was legitness. That I say, all right, all right, all right. Wow, winning. Bam! Just like that. That's all there is to it. That's all there is to it. Well, in my tipping challenge against Mr T, it was me because I got all stitched up home at Dubbo and it paid $3.10. So something for the followers. That updates the scoreboard in the challenge between Mr T and I. I'm on minus $9 and he's on minus $88. So we're both in the red, but he's a lot more in the red than I am. What do you think of that, Mr T? But I pity the fool and I will destroy any man who tries to take what I got. What's your prediction? Prediction? Yes, prediction. Pain. Yeah, well, he's in a lot of pain, Mr. T, at the moment. Um, what, $79 behind? Um, and he's come up with a couple of tips this week. Let's see, Bathurst. He loves going to Bathurst. And the first of them is in race number two. Number two, Tossy Sun for Amanda Turnbull. Hasn't raced since August. Two trials has won them both. It's going to be hard to beat, but it's going to be short, so he won't be making up much ground there. So race two, number two, Tossy Sun. And his other one is in race seven, number three, Bo Duke for Travis Bullock and Amanda Turnbull. Hasn't won in Australia since arriving from New Zealand, but this start is the one, says Mr. T. So in trying to close that $79 gap, He's going with two shorties. Race two, number two, Tossy Sun, and race seven, number three, Bo Duke. My tips, I'll go to Tamora on Tuesday. Race six, number two, Spread the Fear. Now, it's trained by Trevor Allenby. Um, Pete McRae replaces Cam Hart. It's a race for horses with zero lifetime wins. So the horse is obviously limited, but there doesn't look to be a lot of depth in this one. So off the good draw, I'm going to go with Spread the Fear. Race six, number two. And then Bathurst on Wednesday... Race three, number one, Special Dream. Now, it finished fourth behind my Cracklin' Rosie at Bathurst on Boxing Night. Jet Turnbull drove, and he might have taken off a little bit too early because it looked to peak on the run halfway up the straight, and the horse he was following, Ali Birdo, did run second in the photo finish. Jet's driving one of Steve Turnbull's in the race, so Nathan, Dad's back on this week. Uh, it was 25-1 to 1 last start, and there are some nice horses in the race, but I thought from the good draw it might give you a run for your money at good odds. So that's race three, number one, Special Dream. So, uh, as I said, minus 9 for me, minus 88 for Mr. T. Good luck if you're following those tips. In fantasy harness racing, it is still Champo 71 in front by over 100 points. Um, Champo is on 3,857 points, 118 
in front of Manning 1990 on 3,739. I'll get Will Norman, last year's winner, back on the podcast soon. He's lurking there in fifth spot on 3,667. My team moved up this week. I'm back into 69th spot on 3,322 points. Uh, Round five was won by CLR0387 with 707 points. Hard to beat, ran second with 704 Don't forget there are weekly prizes to be won and some great prizes at the end of the competition as well. Last year, Harness Racing New South Wales gave away the car. This year, it's cold, hard cash. So keep making your changes and picking your captain and vice-captain. I'm looking to get Grace Pinella into the team this week after a a really solid week for Grace and plenty of drives at Tamworth this week as well. And Menangle is back next Saturday night. So the big boys should be back amongst it again soon. That just about wraps up the show for another week and a year. Hope you've enjoyed it. Have a great finish to 2023, and let's hope 2024 is a good one. Uh, Big thanks to the guests, Harry Ross and Blake Jones. Thanks to the team at Harness Racing New South Wales for this platform to speak with you. And I look forward to joining you again in 2024. So don't miss the Sunday session again next week. Bye for now.